warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. And those that heard episode 100, if Tony was here, it would be a faint whiff of professionalism. Hello, mate. You okay? I'm absolutely fine. And um, yes, I think Tony is a faint whiff of Um, of something. Something. (laughs) Bless him. Uh, Yeah, sadly, he's not here. Um, No, but um, because this film, uh, you know we're doing mm. uh, i think is um up his tree-lined street really it's it's definitely a tony movie isn't it it's, it's a bit of everything i think i said to you didn't i that um after watching the first hour instant reaction instant review it's a bit of like a cross between ripping yarns and a serious version of carry on up the kyber yeah, I did describe it to somebody um, as a ripping yarn, and unfortunately, they don't have the appreciation we have, and <laughs> no they described idea. it as a, a ripping yarn. But um, <laughs> this type of film, I think, it's kind of the, the British equivalent of a cowboy film for the people in the United States. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to picture yeah. in my mind because this type of film we haven't even covered. I don't, I can't think of anything in the previous hundred and one episodes or whatever we've done now that remotely falls within this genre apart from the, yeah. the man who would be king. Yeah. And it is almost quite a specific genre that there are a few movies out there, really, when you think back. And, and like I said to you, I just wanted something that was a bit more boy's own adventure for this, for this week, you know, and I was desperately trying to think of an epic-type movie where... It, yeah, because it does have that epic, because, you know, it's got the, the cast of... of International Not, stars, you know, that, isn't it? Yeah, mm. and it's got the hordes of individuals racing across a plane towards a, a city wall and stuff, which yeah. is reminiscent of a number of cowboy films where there's the uh, clashes between the uh, the natives and the cavalry or whatever. And it's got, along with the boys' own adventure, I think it, it, it you know, it's got the the hero and the the heroine and, and these kind of things. Which epic, epic is the the setting. Um, yeah. as well as having that um, focus on a, an individual relationship and that's why it's reminiscent I think and we haven't really done anything like this we I mean even the, even, no, no. even the man who would be king is has more of an intimate feel than, than this scale. I think so, yeah and and also it's it's an epic movie crammed into 90 minutes I think it'd be fair to say because it doesn't outstay its welcome this movie at all and it's punchy bang 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 all the way through i'll tell you what let's play the trailer it is northwest frontier it's not northwest passage it's from 1959 starring kenneth moore here's the trailer we'll be back after this this is india 
the Northwest Frontier Province, 1905. Men find many reasons for killing each other. Greed, revenge, jealousy, or perhaps because they worship God by different names. Rebel fanatics are gathering in the hills. Their objective, to kill a six-year-old boy because he is a prince. You think he's as important as that? This one small boy? I know he is. He may be only five years old, but he's a religious and political leader of hundreds of thousands of Hindus. The rebels think that the last train has gone. They do not know that we have another engine. You're going to try to get him out. What a story. When I shut up my little house a few minutes ago, I had a feeling I'd never see it again. This little boy is important, isn't he? Very, very important. I hope you can fire those rifles. They're so good at selling. Let it go, Gupta! Our little train, trundling across this desert, is like our little world, trundling through space. Well, if there is anyone out there, this is the moment they've been waiting for. That's Northwest Frontier, 1959, directed by J. Lee Thompson. Starring Kenneth Moore, Lauren Bacall, Herbert Lom, Wilfred Hyde White, I.S. Johar, Ursula Jeans, Eugene Deckers, Ian Hunter, Jack Williams in there as well. Some of these people will be bothering the doors of the Village Hall of Fame later on with Stephen, I have no doubt. The synopsis. Set in the northwest frontier province of British India around the turn of the century against the background of tension between the Muslims and Hindus, a rebel Muslim faction is seeking to kill the six-year-old son of the ruling Hindu Marjoraja. 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 Put me teeth in. Maharaja. Thus putting an end to his line. The Maharaja seeks help from the British governor to save the life of his son. Captain Scott is interested with the mission of getting Prince Kishan safely to Kalapur. The last train transporting the European civilians has left, and the only hope is to get an ancient steam engine called Victoria repaired by a devoted driver, Gupta. Accompanied by Prince Kishan's American governess, a small group of British civilians and two Indian soldiers as guards, Captain Scott and the young prince board the train driven by Gupta, bound for Kalapur. Elephant in the room. <laughs> Actually, there were no elephants in this, but the elephant in the room. <laughs> Oddly, no elephants. No. We've watched two different versions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we've watched the same film. You've just not watched as much as I have yeah. of it. Yep. Um, I watched the version that ran about 1 hour 32. 
and I watched one that was two hours and seven. And I've just checked. The official running time is the two-hour one. Yeah. And that has just answered a thousand questions that are in my brain watching this movie. Because mine starts off literally with no introduction to any of the characters and they pick up the boy from the Maharaja with a voiceover from Kenneth Moore explaining all the troubles that are going on in the region. And we've got no idea who Lauren Bacall is at this point. She's just there. No, to be fair, that was the same with mine. All right, okay. So you it, must get a bit more character that development hard, from that. That hard start is the same. Because ah, um, right. I thought, because I doubled, I stopped it after mm. a couple of minutes and thought, I'm a watching a, a, a cut version. Um, <laughs> and it was obviously an official cut version if it was, because like you said, there's the voiceover. Yeah. Like it's almost like when you're watching the, the second episode or two episode thing and they're just doing a recap. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah. It goes straight is, into yeah, it, it. it. It does that on the um, the the two hour ah, uh, two hour right. nine version or whatever it is. Does that on that as well? Um, that hard start, but obviously there's extra bits elsewhere in the film um, to lengthen it out that um, you didn't get. And I don't know how, whether we'll be able to identify. I think um, I got... whether it's matter you watching it again at some point what? and seeing what. I'm going to have to. I think I got all the action. You must have got all the character development or something. Possibly. Um, yeah. Because my version, 90 minutes of fast-paced action. I'm just looking quickly through the trivia on IMDb just to see if there's any explanation for this. So it, did you get the bit where the aliens come in? No. Oh, oh I, missed I missed that, that bit. bit. I missed that bit, yeah. Uh, here we go. It just says one piece of trivia on IMDb. The movie has also been released in the tighter paced 90 minute version. <laughs> ah, okay. Let's see if we can do this. <laughs> that, that, that hint of professionalism is, is moving towards being a well, whiff now. Yeah, I mean, we say about watching watching the right movie. We've 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 had this before, you know. We haven't actually gone down that road of watching the wrong movie, but we've had to double check before, haven't we? Because you sent me a text saying is Northwest Frontier not Northwest Passage <laughs> a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. You know, there was doubt in your mind as to what we were watching. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to check. I mean, uh, we we never know, and especially with you having multiple podcasts, I could have ended up getting mixed up myself and that i was guesting on um stinking, stinking pause. Pause. but uh you know <laughs> although to some extent i have to admit looks behind that wasn't just for me it was also to remind you and remind you to watch it as well i got um, there i got them what version we're talking about i got there we've watched we have watched different versions of things previously i think um possibly uh, the third man I think because there's a few versions slightly different of those around because it's outside yeah. copyright and stuff. And I think there's there's a few few of the films that are like that that there's slightly different director cuts of. But for the main part, they're usually, you know, it's a little bit extended of a scene or, or whatever, whereas uh, this is substantial difference, I think. I mean, it's, you know, well, man's a quarter, a quarter longer than yours. Your version makes a lot more sense based on those comments that I just said before the trailer, because I said it was a 90-minute movie, you know, an, an epic packed into a 90-minute movie. You got the epic. You you got the version I wanted. By the yeah, and there may, might be some bits that you question are going, well, what was that about? And then you say that now, and I'll go, oh, well. 
Oh, my life. Right, let's talk through this movie then and try and not necessarily work out what the differences are, but each and every single specific one. But just try and work out what you've seen that I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it, it does start out quite abruptly with this voiceover. Kenneth Moore just giving a potted history of the troubles in the area. Uh, Northwest Frontier, British India, and the Maharaja asked him to take his young son to Hazarabad and then to Delhi to protect him from an uprising. That's that's the main crux of this story. And and you just see Lauren Bacall there. No introduction as to who she is. You've got no idea who Kenneth Moore is apart from the fact that he's some sort of military gentleman because he's wearing an, a uniform. He's a Scot, though, isn't he? He's, he's got the name Scott, so I yes. don't know if that was another thing that inclined you towards him. Uh, possibly. That's also like a, a genuine love for Kenneth Moore as well. Kenneth Moore playing somebody called Scott. How mm, could you resist? Exactly. And 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 straight away, you know, we, we get an action sequence. You know, so, so for me, it was just like, wow, this is great. You know, this is going straight into it. But as the movie developed, I'm thinking, well, there's no extended dialogue scenes. You know, I was actually watching it, this all makes sense now. You know, the scenes on the train where you've got a large cast of various characters of different backgrounds and religions and races and nationalities. And I'm thinking, do you know what? If this was a longer movie, they would have used that. <laughs> there would have been like some, some real interaction between them. I mean, like the Herbert Lom character we've got to talk about eventually just suddenly become this sinister bad guy in the middle of the film uh, with no, well, yeah, no reason behind there it. There is indications um, in there. I mean, um, they're, they're trying to point towards it, it, the, the sinister bit with regards to um, a seemingly his um, being a suspect character because of, of his religion and therefore um, that they don't know initially, but there's little signs like him not taking the baggage down, well, not wanting to take the baggage down because it's pigskin and things like this. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how, whether there was a full development of, of what was happening in the embassy with, you know, the interaction and the, the um, Herbert Long coming into it in the embassy um, and also um, the other reporters trying to sort of push for answers on things. And, um whether that bit was chopped down. I'm trying to see, in my mind now, I'm trying to think through which scenes could be chopped or shortened to provide the version that you've you've seen. (laughs) Well, Um, I've got on Wikipedia the plot, which is quite an extended description. Yeah. And it's there. Everything is there that I've seen, like running through this at the moment. You know, all all the key scenes. I think you've got, a dialogue-heavy version, because I don't think there would have been any other action sequences that they would have cut. I think that would have been the last thing they would have cut for a shorter version would be the action sequences. Yeah. So it might be just some of the scenes are a bit more extended. There might be some um, some of the epic shots showing the the, the, the countryside and um, a few things like that might have, have been curtailed rather than it being a whole scene that's missing as such. It's just tightening up. Yeah, um, perhaps. Well, no wonder I like this, mate, because it was like a fast, punchy, ninety-minute action movie for me. You got, as I say, you got the the Lawrence of Arabia version, the, the you know the the Ben Hur version of this movie. I I got the Saturday Morning Pictures version. Well, yeah, and absolutely, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> um, even though it was uh, 
Yeah, almost, uh, uh, almost was a Saturday morning. He <laughs> was. Um, finished in the early as a Saturday morning. He did. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So I don't think there's. I don't think there's the difference between the two versions that's substantial in that way. I think it's it's probably more subtle um, than what we feared as far as whole scenes missing. But um, certainly, from my perspective, with the longer version. Um, I wouldn't say that it feels um, like a drain or it actually feels like it is as the length it is, to be honest. I feel, yeah. feel it, it still has enough in it to not be feel like it's drawn out. So, um, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't put anybody off watching the longer version just to save themselves half an hour. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch it because I, I enjoyed the movie. I absolutely loved it because I'd, I'd set out to get us a film to review of this this sort of genre. This was what I wanted, and I, I, I've been shortchanged. I'm really <laughs> well. I'm tempted, you know. I'm tempted uh, some opportunity in the next couple of weeks to go back and watch the, and watch the ninety minutes version <laughs> and see see what you know. Um, but what about the movie? Come on, in general, it was great, wasn't it? It was a proper. Was, was it everything you was expecting? Like a rip roaring action adventure, bright, colourful, you know, widescreen type movie. Yeah, I mean it was definitely yeah. widescreen, wasn't it? I mean mm. it's you know almost not quite letterbox like um, you have with Lawrence of Arabia, but yeah. it was yeah it was you know used the colour that it had, which was obviously a, a newish um, thing for a film like this. Yeah, but it definitely benefited from it because it, it gave you a richness to the um, the mm. scenes that you're actually in the um, and the scenery. This is part of the thing that's missing, then, mate, as well because. One of the missed opportunities that I noticed, I thought, do you know what? You've got this wonderful landscape here, you know, as as part of the star of the show. We've mentioned this before and things like John Ford Westerns, you know, that the, the background was always considered the star of the show. And in my version, there's very, very few opportunities for it to be used. There's a wonderful bit of a sunset and the train going by in the shadow. Mm. And I'm thinking, why isn't there more of this? And I think you've probably got more of that. Possibly a little bit more, yeah. Mm. Um, there's definitely that element to it um, with it, the how it is epic. Um, but like we've said, that the this genre of films is, you know, since I heard it said, I've actually you know, decided I actually buy into it fully. That this is to some extent the the um, the cowboy film of the the British yeah. um, film, and. It's very easy for some of these to be just dismissed as being the colonial um, British type scenario where it is behaving wrongly and, and carrying on some kind of um, incorrect view of, you know, Indians or Africans, um, British Empire. It can be seen as being quite um, jingoistic, mm. but in actual fact, there's the subtleties that are done within this film, and I'm, it's probably. A credit to the fact that you, you've got, you know, J. Lee Thompson and a few others that are connected to this that do have more sensibilities. It, it, in some respects, it's actually highlighting some of those wrong attitudes that existed at the time, but also it's showing certain, like the hero, is showing a, a better side to them that isn't quite as jingoistic and and um, you know, perhaps in some ways racist or, or whatever. So. I think this gets the balance right on that, and then bringing in the American element shows that there's, um, you know, it, it puts a spotlight on the British from somebody in the film, 
And that's a very useful device. It's not just that you've got Lauren Bacall there for attracting cinema goers from the States to watch it. Yeah. I think it also does provide that lens of somebody in the film looking at the British and saying, you know, the the British don't do anything until I've had a cup of tea and then by the time they, they have, <laughs> then it's too late and these kind of things. And the the old woman having brought everything with her, you know, including a parasol for the for the injured train driver and um, a, a leather glove to feed the baby and oh, all yeah. sorts of things. So, yeah. you know, I think it's done the subtlety in there along with the, the epic side. And I think that that balance it is hard to achieve and this achieves it really. Yeah, this is the big problem for me then because I thought there was a missed opportunity in the version that I watched that the development of those characters was woefully ignored, but it obviously wasn't. And I've got to go back and watch this because I'd love to have seen a bit more of the Lauren Bacall story, you know, what actually happened because she was a widow, wasn't she? I know she was the governess. A widow of a doctor, yeah. Yeah, see, that's that, that's literally all I, I, I gleaned from that. And Wilfred Hyde-White's character just seemed to be there just for a couple of scenes, very briefly, for almost comic effect, you know, where he plays Wilfred Hyde-White, which is what he usually does. Uh, there's, there's more to him, though, in, mm. I think, in, in this film. So maybe there is some bits, because I, I do feel like there was um, some development in there. Um, yeah. I, I didn't get that. Particularly with interaction between him and, and the, uh, I think she's the ambassador's wife, isn't she's she? Or the governor's wife or the something. Governor, is it? The, the, yeah, the governor's wife. I, I yeah. got the wonderful scene where he gets shot in the wrist and she, you know, bandages him up and he's, yeah, uh, and, and it's quite comical. She puts his hat on the wrong way and, and, and I, I got that scene. You get the stuff about, you get the stuff when he was talking about leaving his home and his, and his dog. I don't think I did. I can't remember. No. That doesn't ring a bell. Um, and talking about the the situation back in when they arrived back in England, what the situation will be for her and for for him. And I think there's a bit where she, where he says about the fact that he's left his home of 25 years and etc. And, and um, she then goes, "I've left my husband." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's it, the there is a perhaps a little bit more with that development of that character, and obviously. He is still, you know, Wilford Hyde White tends to just play Wilford Hyde White. Yeah. Um, that's, exactly, but, that's all I got. That's all I got but, from him. But, um, there is a bit more to it, and he does, he does show a, a bit more range in, in this than Excellent. just being a, a, a comic um, character and a side. Cool. But, yeah. the, I mean, there's maybe a little bit more of the, the other guy, the arms dealer. Yeah. Um, you might have a little bit more of that character's discussions about the nature of you know of, of being an arms dealer and and war and and such like and um that might be something that isn't quite as expanded in the, the 90 yeah. minute version i think there was something there was a line that i did get and i thought well that's that's quite clear it was something about men make war and guns or something i can't men make guns i can't remember it was something explains yeah, his rationale you know, for what he does or whatever yeah yeah it was saying well before the guns they did it with you know swords and, mm. and spears so there was always somebody you know supplying the the weapons the weapons were already there that and if they made them themselves fair enough and that there's kind of a, a, an efficiency um which should decrease the treachery to 
um, conflict if it is through you know a good weapon. But of course, we know that's not necessarily true. But yeah. Um, so yeah, but the justification, you know, characters throughout this, uh, to some extent, even even the main character, they they and Lauren Bacall as well, they 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 go through a number of interactions with each other in different ways where they're at some point being challenged by somebody else, but they're also, in some ways, they're examining themselves and, and either excusing things or, or justifying themselves um, of who they are or what they are. And each of, I think each of the characters basically goes goes through that in one way or another, in, in, you know, even to the extent of the, the train driver, explaining why he wouldn't want to have a, a bigger and better train. Yeah. The version I saw, I ended up with not so much Kenneth Moore being the hero of this whole piece. It became something similar to Ice Cold in Alex. Yes. You Noah know, Katie, the, the truck, is, is almost outshining the acting talents of Sylvia Sim and John Mills and all those guys. Victoria, the train in this, um, and it's highlighted by the final shot because the final shot just zooms in on the train at the end, mm. is the star of the movie that I saw in this. And, and Gupta is is the supporting, you know, <laughs> supporting Yeah, yeah. He's, he, well, he's the, he's the um, <laughs> to be honest, Victoria and him, uh, uh, it's almost a romance. Honestly, um, it was a wonderful... He's a romantic lead versus her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the train isn't actually called Victoria. It's called the Empress of India. That's but they, obviously they call it Victoria because that was... That's who she was. Who yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> um, there has been, I think, um, comparisons previously with this film to Ice Cold and Alex. Oh, and that's, that's you know, genuine then. Oh, it's, 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 it's transparent mm. in, in a number of words how that could be. And I agree entirely that you know that there is, in a way, sort of, some tropes that are carried over between the two. There's one definite um, one. Doesn't make it a bad film, no. either of them. There's one obvious one. In Ice Cold in Alex, there's that wonderful scene where you're on the edge of your seat for about 10 minutes and they have to get up the sand dune and they're pushing, they're pushing Katie and it yeah. takes forever and ever and ever and then someone loses their footing. I don't know if it's Harry Andrews or somebody... And and it slips back down. The, the truck slips back down the the sand dune. You know they've lost seven hours of their pushing time. You know there's this wonderful scene, this set piece in in Northwest Frontier, where the, with the bridge, it's quite towards the end, sort of three quarters yes. towards the end, and this magnificent structure. It's a marvelous bridge that stretches across two sort of almost mountains, and. Rebels have, have attempted to blow up a section of it, and they haven't been quite successful because the bottom of the bridge is missing, but the tracks are still there. Yeah, actually, a bridge in Spain, as it happened. Is in Spain? Yes, because it was filled in Alhambra, wasn't it? A lot of this, it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, and there's this great scene. I mean, obviously, technology at the time does limit a little bit. Some of it is a bit green screened, and it's like, oh, yeah. that's a bit. But we're used to that. It's a British movie of the fifties, but we're expecting that. But it's the whole tension of it that reminded me of Ice Cold in Alex, where they've actually got to get get Victoria, the train, over this span that's probably only about 12 feet or so. It's not a massive thing, but it's it's very precarious because this heavy, heavy train has has got to be supported by these free freestanding rails. And it's, you know, oh, it's, it's edge-of-the-seat stuff. 
Um, yeah, and and it is that you know they've got to get the people across first, but making sure that there's somebody on the other side to catch them. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, very much so. There's you know the the trick of guesswork of trying to get the the, the terminal speed right at which you can get across there before it collapses onto you, but not yeah. at a speed it's going to actually cause it to collapse. Yeah, um, and that is you know a, a, a tension over a similar like you say a similar aspect and mm. um, same as when they're trying to they're at a point where there's some rail missing and they've yes. got to dismantle the rail behind them oh, and build a rail in front of them and it's pointed out by one of the characters oh we're in a unique position now where we can't go forward and we can't go backwards mm. so if we get attacked uh, we're stuck and what happens they get attacked <laughs> <laughs> and that was a great scene because you know this was the what I was expecting. This was the movie. I'm thinking, yeah, this is great. This is why I signed up for this. And, you know, Kenneth Moore, action hero Kenneth Moore, you know, not just romantic lead or comedic actor like we saw in something like Admirable Crichton or, you know, cheeky Kenneth Moore in Genevieve or something like that. Yeah. This is Kenneth Moore, action hero. And it was just great to see. It was absolutely fantastic because he's the one, obviously responsible for this mishmash of, you know, characters on board this train. And, you know, he's only got backup of like three or four of his of his men to help him. And he's the one that's there in the line of fire, you know, with the huge spanner trying to fix this rail and being fired at from all angles. And then, then all the flames come up from... It's a brilliant, absolutely brilliant scene. Yeah, and you, you've got the hordes of natives who are... Um, you know, these these restless natives that are, are, are coming over the almost the sand dunes, but the sort of the, the hillocks, yeah, um, in waves, one after the other, and you know, despite that, he's still there, sort of hiding behind a little bit of soil himself, and leaning over with the spanner, trying to tighten the last bolts while everybody else is in safety, and it is very much like you say, the action hero, where he's he's fighting on top of the train. And it it almost gets to a bit of James Bond in that respect when he comes comes back in the train and and they say, oh, you know, where's um, where's Mr. Mr. Layden? And they say, oh, he got off. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a James Bondian quip, isn't it? Yeah, he had to to go, you know, or something. You know, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. he he dropped off or whatever he might be. Yeah, because it was very James Bond, a fight on top of a train. Yeah, uh, and it, and it is it's a real train. It's not special effects. This is a genuine train in a genuine landscape, and at some points they're not stuntmen on top of that as well. And I'm thinking this is great. You know, this is what I I, I signed up for. It's an action movie with a lot of genuine edge of the seat moments. You know, um, and the only thing I missed out was that was the drawn out character development. I just loved it. I absolutely adored it. I mean, first time watch for both of us, wasn't it, mate? You hadn't seen this before, I take it. I've seen... Um, uh, when I was watching it, there was bits where I was thinking, I've seen this bit before. Mm. There was little bits. There was one of the bits um, where there is, is the Herbert Lom character and there's the the flywheel in the shed. Yes, that's yeah, with spinning. the water. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. I've seen that scene before. Ah. But I haven't seen I definitely haven't seen it in in either its 90 minute or the the 2 hour mm. uh, version. So I, I've I probably stumbled upon it 20 years ago 
and seen a bit, you know, bit, sort yeah. of ten minutes of it or five minutes of it or whatsoever. So I don't, it is virtually a, um, for all intents and purposes, a, a first time watch for me. Um, even though I was aware it existed, I, I didn't, I hadn't yeah. watched it previously, which is is remiss. I'd forgotten all about it. I only selected this because I was trying to find something of that ilk, you know, and I was coming up with all these sort of like international movies that had. Charlton Heston as uh, was it Khartoum? I think may have been a possibility, but yeah. And then I stumbled across this, and I thought, you know what? I don't think I've actually seen this, and it's it is one of those ones that would have been on on a Sunday afternoon, and I just can't remember ever seeing it or sitting through it. Um, and I'm glad I did. I'm absolutely glad. Yeah, and you got the, the the cast you got in it as well. With there are some of them, the these epic films that have. People we might recognise uh, over here, but they're not, you know, names. But even beyond Lauren Bacall, I mean, a lot of people who know cinema elsewhere, particularly in the states, they'll yeah. they'll recognise Wilfred Hyde White. Yes, um, they'll recognise uh, Kenneth Moore yeah. and and Herbert Lom. Mm. So you know, those those people um, are not sort of the some of the filler that you might get, the people that we get excited about, but the people who aren't, you know, didn't re- rise to anything bigger. I mean, you know, it, it didn't have Attenborough or anything like that, but, it, you know, it's he the same have, level. He could have fitted in there quite nicely, yeah. mate. You know, that's a perfect vehicle for him. Do you know what it's just come to me, what this is? It's it's the perfect setup of a disaster movie. You know where you get... Those ones in the 70s, like The Towering Inferno or The Poseidon Avenger yeah. or something like that. And you get a huge group of mismatched characters. Having to escape, and there's usually a, you know some woman who can't look after herself. Yeah, and there's some, each there's one's some, got their own. Um, child, and then there's, there's some some guy who's, who's you know, some misfit or, or yeah, it's always a bad double-crossed them. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's classic in that Isn't respect, it? absolutely. Yeah. It's a disaster movie set up. Carried across to an epic historical movie. I'm, I'm convinced that's what it is, and that's the that's 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 answered my question. That's what was missing then for me, because in my head, I think subconsciously, I'm watching a version of a disaster movie that's only got the disaster elements to it. Yeah, hasn't got that whole thing where you'd find out about Steve McQueen's character or. Robert Wagner's having an affair with his secretary, you know, and all this sort of stuff that went on in Towering Inferno. Um, I didn't get that. Yeah, I just got the the let's get out of danger sequences. That makes complete sense to me now. There we go. Right, we've knocked it yeah, on the head just, there. We've you just got it. the action. You didn't get the... You didn't get how... Character um, development, mate, basically. Yeah, you didn't get the... You didn't get, you know, where it came from with Wilford Hyde White no. or um, how it came to be that Don Bacall's character is in that situation in the first place as such. It's, it's left simply that she was the governess and maybe doesn't give you the more detail. The only um, bit of um, conversation I can remember where there was anything sort of revealed is uh, they're in the train. It's just Lauren Bacall and Kenneth Moore. And they're talking. It's night time. And he says... She asks his name, and he's got three names. It's something William Wallace Willoughby or something. And she said, I'll call you Willoughby. William Charles Willoughby. Willoughby, yeah. Yeah, said, oh, Willoughby, yeah. yeah. I'll call you Willoughby. And she's obviously this quite strong-willed, determined character. And he says, oh, you're not like those those women back home, meaning like the suffragettes or whatever. So I had a little bit of 
little bit of insight in that conversation, but that's pretty much the only one I can really remember where it drifts away from the the fast-paced action side of things. And and when they stop for water, all right, there's not much conversation about the characters, but you see that Herbert Lom scene, as you say, with the flywheel and the murderous intentions and, you know, coming out of the shadows. And it's it, that was edge-of-the-seat stuff as well, by the way, the flywheel mm. sequence. Yeah, that explains it. We've got a disaster movie. The blueprint for a disaster movie, mate. That's that obviously... But I can't I think of what, what other appearances did... Lauren Bacall have in in classic, classic British cinema? I'm trying to think because this is only about two years after um, Bogey died. He died in 57. Um, and I know, I read somewhere that she... She sold up and moved over. Moved to over to England, London, didn't she? she? Because of this movie, brought the kids with mm. her. Um, I'm just having a quick look. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Let's have a look, Lauren Bacall. She's certainly not bothering the Hall of Fame. I was going to say, will she ever make it into the Hall of Fame? I'm going to double check because we need to find this out. <laughs> i tell you what, while I'm checking Lauren Bacall, Stephen, get your keys. Open up the Village Hall of Fame, mate. Let's see who's inside. Okay, Village Hall of Fame. Stephen, as always, has been working his magic, checking through cast lists and names. Uh, I've got a funny feeling you haven't been too taxed this week, mate. Well, there's um, five people making their second appearances, yeah, um, including uh, J. Lee Thompson, who ah, previously yeah. the night, obviously. There's the previous mention that you uh, made of uh, Jack Willem. Yeah. Um, Previously in Man for All Seasons, mm-hmm. the the wife of the the governor or um, Lady Wyndham, whichever whoever's wife she was in this, yeah. um, Ursula Jeans, uh, she was um, previously in Dam Busters. Um, ah, she was so, she's um, Redgrave's wife, I think. I think she was William. Um, what's his name? Uh, Wallace, Wallace is uh, Wallace is Barnes Wallace, Barnes what? Mrs. <laughs> I'll get there in the end. It's Barnes Wallace's <laughs> wife. I'm sure she is. <laughs> Not William Wallace's wife. Not William no. Wallace's wife. No, no, she was French. No, she wasn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> hey, do, you want, do you want to hand out that hole? Uh, uh, so, and there's uh, somebody called um, Howard Marion Crawford. Yeah. Who his face is actually fairly familiar, mm. but. That could be just because he looks a little bit like Peter Vaughan in some respects, oh, right? um, in okay. some photos. Yeah. But he was in Gideon's Day. Okay, um, yeah. And then the other second appearance is from um, somebody called Herbert Lom. Yes. So he's only two. in Hell Drivers, so he's only on two, but he will get to the third at some point, okay. um, will Herbert Lom. But there are two people making their third appearances, actually, um, in this. Okay. So they are Eugene Deckers who was the um, the arms salesman. We've seen him recently, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, he was in um, Man of the Moment. There we go. I knew we'd seen him. Yep, yeah, okay, yep. And previous to that, he was in Lavender Hill Mob as well. And the other third appearance um, is 
Wilford Hyde White. Brilliant, he's in. Excellent. What were the other two, mate? Third Man, Third Man and Carry On Nurse, which is a bit of a range. That is a fairness. complete different set of trio of movies, isn't it? Excellent. So, yeah, and then um, we do have uh, three people making their fourth appearances. Mm-hmm. Alan Cuthbertson. Okay. <laughs> who was in Performance Room at the Top and Man Who Never Was. And then we've got Moultrie Kelsall, who... Um, we recognise as, as the name rings just a, a bell per, now. Yeah, perennial old man in in things who was previously <laughs> in uh, uh, Man Who Never Was, A Violent Playground, and Love in the Hill Mob. Okay, and then the um, the the last person who um, is making their fourth appearance is Mister Kenneth Moore, hey! who is um, <laughs> Doctor in the House, Admiral Crichton, and um, he is the only person out of all of this cast who was. Uh, previously in A Night to Remember, strangely enough. That's bizarre. So, and there are no more, um, you know, appearances of people uh, repeated-wise, so it's just four. Not even... Not where I'm going to keep going. And there is a 12th appearance. No, so not even those guys. You know, the Guy Standevens and the Victor Harringtons, none of them are in it. No, there's none of our go-tos, the ones that we look out for. None of them were in this year. We've not got the Duchess there in the background uh, oh playing any part uh, or anything now, so unfortunately. That just proves your theory that the selections I make are quite thin on the ground for inductees and repeat offenders into the Hall of Fame, and your ones, t- t- they're knocking at the door, they're beating the door down, because your one seems to have like thousands and thousands of people in them that are always in the Village Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It's easier to do when you pick a normal wisdom film. It just suddenly, the, the virtually everybody in the cast has, has appeared at least in a previous normal wisdom film, if not in Carry On or, or Night to Remember. Is Night the, to Remember, is or you know, even to some extent, James Bonds and things. Yeah. So. What was the other one? Dunkirk, I think we're finding yeah. is cropping up a wee bit as well. Now I've just checked um, Lauren Bacall. The only chance we've got of Lauren Bacall getting into the Hall of Fame is if we do. Those magnificent sort of Peter Euston off Agatha Christie's. Yes. Because she was in uh, Talking the Train, she was in Murder on the Orient Express, and she was in Appointment with Death. Uh, I like to consider those British movies, those international ones, especially if they're filmed over here and, you know, British directors and Peter Euston off's the lead in it. I'm going to say Euston off is, you know, uh, he's got that, you know, exudes. The, the Britishness, even though I don't think he was he British, he wasn't British by birth. Wasn't was he part Russian or something? Wasn't yeah, yeah. Or something. Names gives it away, yeah. but but yes, you know we'll probably get round to those at, at some point um, within the next uh, decade. I was going to say ten years. Give it at least ten years. Yeah. Well, but, but yeah, so I, I don't think we're going to really see much of Lauren Bacall in the future. Right? So, but then again, we didn't think that Herbert Lom would because we only remember Herbert Lom from those those international movies or the Pink Panther type films but we forget he was he started off you know a 20 year career in British B movies and, and you know some minor films in this country there's there's a, a couple of the uh, at least one if not two of the the early Hammer pre-horror pre-Hammer horror yeah. the, the film noir that they yeah. did which um, is in uh, one of those I'm trying to remember um, which one it what it's called there's one about the a girl coming from France and she um, basically they're trying to draw her into 
prostitution. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's, which one it's, it is, but you know, so that as an early sort of hammer uh, in the the early fifties or whatever, he was, um, you know, in a lot of films like that. I mean, I, you know, I think early Hitchcock as well. I think wasn't even one of those, and he's he's in. He's in stuff a lot more early, and then he, he sort of then makes his break for for Hollywood in a way. His so. career starts in 1937 in his home country, and then literally from 1942 onwards, British movie after British movie. The Lady Killers, of course. How can you not, you know? Pass, passport to Shame. That was the one. Is I that the one? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I Hell saw, Drivers, as you say. Yeah. Was in that. Mm. I saw him recently in No Trees. The Lady the Killers. Yeah, the lady, that's what I was saying. The Lady Killers. Hey, can, you can't forget that. You know, Spartacus, of course, and El Cid. Epics, as per usual. But then. Mr. Denning Drives North. That's a great mm. film, John Mills. Um, but then it becomes. It becomes things like the Pink Panthers in the 60s and the 70s. And interesting. There's some, there's some good stuff there. We're going to see more of him, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, so he'll be there in the, the Hall of Fame. It's just a matter of time. Excellent. So, having watched the longer version than I did, you, did you have a great time with it, mate? Because is it is it all you was expecting it to be? Yeah, as I said, I, I was a little bit worried mm. that it was going to have the jingoism, and I should have had more trust <laughs> in the people involved. Yeah. Um, uh, Kenneth Moore and... Jerry Thompson, I think I should have had more trust that they wouldn't be doing something that was so formulaic and um, cardboard cut out almost yeah. with the, the, the jingoism and naked patriotism and in that way. It's got an, it portrays a bit of that, but it, it's doing so in a, a subtly, and it is subtle, a subtly um, critical way that the attitude towards the people of India and the you know and the colon- in the colonies in general mm. you know plays a part in creating this restless natives and although there are still asides about you know that they need them to they need the British to civilize them that is portraying the 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 view of the time rather than actually pushing that as a, a view that should be held now or even or even at the when I say at the time, I mean back in the 1800s yeah. rather than the, the 1950s. And I think that it's looking back and subtly being able to to, to um, put it in context uh, without trying to um, support that that view. But overall, the main thrust of it is that it is this combination of a disaster movie and a cowboy movie um, as you pointed out, the disaster <laughs> movie bit didn't occur to me until you said. And, and, no, it combination, came to me then. Combina- yeah. Combination of the two, a disaster cowboy movie um, <laughs> with, with, with cups of tea. Um, Definitely, yeah. Because that's the thing, you know, they've just been shot and have been attacked and the first thing they do is make a cup of tea. Um, it is archetypal and, and achingly British in, in a lot of ways, yeah. but in a good way. It does have the subtleties in there, and the character development is there as well as because it, it's got the epic scenes of the restless natives coming over the the hillsides mm-hmm. to attack them at frequent opportunities, and then you know this is 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 structured between scenes of intimate in, uh, interaction on the sort of semi-darkened train because they're having to keep the, the shutters closed. Yeah, where they're exploring. 
the ideas of you know war of empire of personal fidelity of duty of the ideas that are, are you know some extent human values and and human tropes so i think it's got a lot more to it than just being a, a set series of of action shots of of the restless natives attacking yeah. and the british firing back and and trundling across a, a an epic countryside the the that interaction between the individuals i think is important and you having not seen as much of that <laughs> yeah. um, i think it's to it's to the detriment of the film i think a detriment of your enjoyment of the film in a way so i would i would recommend you go and have a have a a look at the two-hour version i mean i'm gonna have a go at the at the 90 minute version (laughs) and see whether it's it's substantially less and if it is that i mean i'll it it might be the don't detract they've just snipped here there and everywhere but i I think it probably from what you're saying there is a, a a deterioration of it in the character development and that's something that is one of the the joys of this film there was something um, missing. That, I noticed yeah. there was something missing, mate. That's the only way I could describe it. And I thought, oh, I wonder if there's an extended version out there. And then when I finished watching the version I watched, I spotted this two-hour version. I thought, oh, I was right somewhere along the line there, you know. Um, going back to what you said about um, the whole attitude of the British out in, out in the colonies and how it's highlighted really well and stuff. There's a, there's a wonderful bit that actually sums it all up, I think, mate. Uh, the relationship between Kenneth Moore and Gupta and the soldiers is absolutely fantastic, you know, because he's got the utmost respect for, the, you know, the, the Indian people and the people that he's working with and working for. You know, that's that's highly evident. There's none of this, you know, conflict that could potentially they could have, you know, dwelt on. But right towards the end, you know, when, when everything's all over and the young prince is, you know, being handed over to the, to his new guardians. Mm. And, and he says, Oh, I wish I could have driven the train. And he's, you know, Kenneth Moore's like, Yeah, not to worry, sort of thing. And then he says something about, But I will have to drive the, the British out of India or something. Says my father said, My father said that, uh, he says, I'm, I'm, Sad that I'm going to have to fight you. That was it. And he's, and he's yeah. like, "What do you mean?" And he says, "Well, my father said that to get rid of the British, we'll have to fight them." Yeah. So it leaves it on a little bit of a sour note, but at the same time, it's 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 it just highlights th- that part of the story we'd forgotten. You know, we we just we we've been totally wrapped up in this adventure story, but at the heart of it is this battle for independence or this inter-religious battle that's going on because this is almost this is uh, the northwest frontier is part of pakistan isn't it i believe now it's that sort of area isn't it yeah and i think that you know it's historically it's um quite important that although there was some violence around it uh, um the push mm. um effectively the the british coming out of india and handing the country back to them was um done peacefully um and it was done under a, a situation where the 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 hindus and the the muslims were united and they weren't as in this way you see the restless natives killing each other as well as trying to kill the british um there were it took you know you know a unification in that sense to to bring that about so what the young prince is saying there doesn't actually end up transpiring historically to be true but it is a sour note like you say that after saving the young lad 
he's basically just setting themselves up for the next conflict. Just say, well, look, this is the truth of the situation. Thank you very much, but this is how it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. But then it ends after that, as I say, with that long final shot on the train itself, just highlighting the fact that, you know, perhaps perhaps Victoria, the steam engine, was the star of this movie and not Kenneth Moore. Because yeah, and, and Gupta being a, a key part of brilliant. I love the relationship he yeah. has with the, the, the train not as a, a piece of machinery, but as a character. Yeah. And uh, with a whistle going off all the time and, and stuff. And for all, we've, we've spoken about other people. Um, and although it's to some extent a caricature being, being played, I still feel that the, um, I think his name's I.S. Johar. He was um, in Lawrence who, of Arabia. He played Gupta. Mm. You know, did his, you know, acted uh, and portrayed a character that, that was, very endearing yes um as a character and i think that sometimes you can have portrayals of, of characters in that sense um in, in that scenario um that they're almost portraying them as being a, a you know like a lovable child and the, it's you almost know, comic relief isn't it comic... the subtlety to him where you know he, i don't know whether it was in your version but where they go past the uh, another train that's been um blown up and mm. There's the bodies strewn everywhere, and, yeah. and he, he laments the fact that the, the driver of the train was a, a friend of his yes, um, over, over 20 years who has like five kids, and it this 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 and um it goes beyond a caricature subtly with that character as well, which I think across the board is the 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 beauty of this film that it's it's not just another run of the mill sort of british colonial epic or, or anything it, it is it is special and that's yeah. why you, you know you picking it is is right i'm glad i did it, it was what i was looking for i think i would definitely have preferred the longer version because that's really what i was looking for was more of the epic feel to it rather than a, a punchy 90 minute action movie um, so much so that I'm going to go back. Like you're going to probably go back and watch the shorter version. I'm definitely going to go back and watch the yeah. longer version. But I'm going to save it now, probably to around about Christmas or something. You know, when you get a bit of time off, and it's it's one of those. I'm not going to it say is, not, it, this is archetypally a, a, a Christmas Boxing Day epic, it or, is, isn't it? Um, on yeah. BBC Two yeah. or um, a Bank Holiday, rainy Bank Holiday film. It is absolutely it's, so you know, as so many of our, of the films that we watch on this, it absolutely sits. Fully in that category. So why have we missed it then? Why have we missed it all these years then? Because it must have been on. (laughs) Because we're a pair of idiots, that's why. (laughs) I'm glad we found it, mate. I mean, it's just a... It's it's an underseen gem, I think. That's how we describe it, isn't it? We've done that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an undiscovered um, gem that we've, you know, uh, we're now bringing to light. And obviously now it will be uh, wildly acclaimed um, across all media <laughs> sources, now that we've done our bit, we've shone um, the light on it, mate. Yeah, we're that influential. Are we? Know. Are we? Okay. But um, <laughs> we're we're that influential amongst both of our um, listeners. Um, <laughs> that, that's um, but uh, no, it, it it is something that I think deserves the attention to make sure that it's not dismissed as being a gung ho stiff upper lip. British yeah. against the restless natives, and it's it, no, that's a, a dismissal that gets done. I think it's it, it does have more character development and subtlety to it that is worth people's time. 
Fantastic. I just want to highlight as well, we didn't really talk too much about it, but wasn't Lauren McCall bloody great in this as well? I mean, Lauren McCall is great in everything, but, you know, particularly in this, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, she did a fantastic, I mean, you know, good-looking woman, but she played the part perfectly and, and is, to some extent, there's an archetypal element um, of um, that uh, American thrown amongst the British and particularly in the time of empire, but um, she she does everything, she does it perfectly throughout the entire thing with what's needed. Then, yeah. the, the, you know, the withering looks, uh, and but also the caustic comments, as, uh, as well as then having the um, the delicacy as well at the points at which where there's you know tending to the wounded or whatever, and and or the the scene that really shows her, I think, is when she is acting on her own, yeah, where she she goes into the massacre and retrieves the baby. Yes. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I got that part. That Luckily, that part was still included. Um, I mean, they couldn't have cut out every single incidental scene. This film would have been butchered to pieces, you know. So, you know, I definitely got that element of her. In fact, I think she was probably the more developed character in the in the version that I saw, the one that I knew the most about compared to the others. So I think that's probably why she stood out for me. In, in Maybe horror. that was because the cut version was more targeted at... Um the United States audience could have been, so they didn't yeah. want to cut her bits because she would have been one of the main attractions for people from yeah. the States going to watch it. That makes sense. I mean, I, I read somewhere she said it was a great movie, but she hated the title because they renamed it as well for the American audience. They, they? did in, in America, yeah. What did they call it? Flame, over, like, flame, flame over, over... Yeah. Flame over India. I think she wrote in her diary, she said, Man, magnificent movie, great experience, horrendous title or something. <laughs> Let's leave it at that, mate. It's Northwest Frontier. We'll urge everybody to go and watch it wherever they can find it. It is on DVD. Let's hope it gets screened somewhere along the line on TV somewhere because it definitely needs to be shown again. We're going to take a short break. I believe it's your turn to select something. It's been a while that you've chosen a movie. It seems forever. I know we only did Norman Wisdom not that long ago, but we've had 100 episodes and you know other things we've been celebrating. So... Let's take a short break and we'll be back after this. See, Saab? Very plenty of this team. Yes, but is he coming from the right places? That's the point, Gupta. What right places, Saab? All right. Victoria is old. I confess that. But she has experience, Saab. And when she has experience, nothing can go wrong. It is not the fault of Victoria Saab. I asked them last week and last month I asked them 17 times to give me one little day for repairs. But no, like you, they said Victoria is old. Victoria is no good except but for shunting. Nobody understands what to do. Carla Poor's over 300 miles away, you know. What 300 miles? What is 300 miles to this engine, Saab? You know what she used to do in the Karachi run? Two times in one week. One week, but two times. Yes, but how many years ago? Look at the boiler, Saab. Not even one leak. Not even an inch of steam is escaping from it. And when the boiler is good, the whole engine is good. Look for yourself if not believing Gupta. To be frankly, Saab, that is only the piston bearing which is not good. And that is why one half of the steam is escaping every day. Are you sure that's all that's wrong? Saab, Gupta has been for 30 years in the railway train service. You think Gupta don't know? No, Gupta, I think you do know. 
We shall need a coach. Coach, sir, there's no one but uh, that one. But that's broken down. Broken. What about that pair of wheels over there? Will they fit? Yes, sir. They're very fitting wheels. Tell me, Gupta, how many miles per hour could Victoria go pulling just one coach? At least 50 miles, sir. 50? Well, at least, if not 50 miles, then at least 40 miles, sir. And when it is mended, sir, you don't know what speed it will go. It is very speedy. She'll be mended, and the coach. Now, the only other problem is coal. We'll never get enough in there. Yes, sir. We need five to six times much more coal than this. Yes, but where can we put it? Have you got a truck or something? Uh, yes, sir. We have got a truck in the shed. Good. I'll get the sappers down here right away, and you can tell them what you want. Sub, you will be never sorry for, for the judgment you are making today. I hope you're right, Gupta. I hope you're right. And get that damn thing fixed at once. Yes, sir, at once. Frontier 1959. Say this very often on this show. I love this part of a uh, get together on a Saturday or a Sunday morning because I never know what direction you're going to take me. Um, whether it be comedy, adventure, action, it certainly wouldn't be a western. Saying that though, Kenneth Moore probably appears in the only British western I can think of, which is The Sheriff of Fractured Jaw. But yeah, I'm carry on say. cowboy. But. Yeah. Um, what we got for us next time, mate? Right. Well, uh, we've just we were just watched a film about sort of the the governing English authorities uh, in the wild hills uh, of one of their their colonies, um, <laughs> okay. and them having to contend with um, and face the revolt by sort of locals um, and lawlessness in in that sense. Yeah. Um, that put me in mind, uh, you know, the, that element of restless natives, um, and um, the, the film, therefore, restless natives. Is this um, the one set in which Scotland? Is, which is set in Scotland, which is about two um, Scottish friends who become sort of folk heroes for using joke shop gimmickry <laughs> to uh, go and, and hold up. Um, tour buses of of, of um, foreign visitors um, to the Scottish Highlands. Um, it's got a vibe of Gregory's Girl to it. Yeah. In five years after it's, it's 1985, but it came five years after. It does have that element to it, and obviously helped by the, the it being Scottish and the time it was done. But there is a, a vibe to it of that. It's also, I think, this time for recording. Um, not by the time, sorry, not by the time we do record it, but this time we're actually talking now. It's um, a little bit also as a 
poignantly as a, a tribute to the recently departed Ned Beatty. I just noticed on um, the cast list, who, he's in um, it. Yeah. Who, you know, one of his rare appearances in a British film. So that that is befitting as well. So I felt uh, a film called Restless Natives after having just watched a film about <laughs> Restless Natives. You know, it's uh, a, a different ilk of film as well because it's, you know, it's a... A, a comedy effectively with, with um, a little bit of romantic drama in there but uh, it's uh, effectively just a, a, a fun little thing and it's it's just under an hour and a half as well so are you sure just... I'll watch the two hour version then shall I <laughs> you watch the two hour version <laughs> this time around um, so uh, yeah I mean uh, it's a film that I think is uh, overlooked I don't think a lot of people know about it fully um, aware of it I have never yeah. seen it Absolutely, yeah. uh, totally aware of it. Totally aware of this movie. Um, just looking through the cast, you, you've got Brian Forbes and Nanette Newman as cameos in this. You've got a little bit of work in the Hall of Fame, mate. Not and, and Mel Smith as well. And, Mel and Nanette Newman. There, Nanette Newman, <laughs> Bernard Hill, yeah. Wow, thank you, because that's one that I probably never would have got round to. It's just one of those ones that I've just never never seen, mate. Uh, music by Big Country. I used to love Big Country yeah. in the 80s. Absolutely looking forward to that, mate. Oh, thank you. That's that's going to be interesting. Definitely looking forward to that. Rest- turn. Yes. That, yeah. Restless Natives. Now, I don't think that'll be our next movie because in the meantime, I think we've got our James Bond sort of like Sean Connery tribute couple of episodes coming up at some point and another hammer with Mark. So I this- suspect this won't be out until August late August maybe episode 107 or something like that possibly I think we've got it penciled in for so uh, we'll, we'll see this one in a little while's time but in the meantime guys you've, you've got the Sean Connery tribute and another hammer um, probably a guest appearance from somebody else down the line as well so we will get to it eventually hopefully not too long Stephen thank you so much for, for filling in you know the 32 minute gap that um <laughs> that I missed and uh, I'll, I'll definitely go back to that I mean, it, was, it was a great movie thank you for for being there today mate my pleasure thanks for having me no worries I'll see you all very soon cheers Stephen take care mate take care
the British end up, sir. I'm sick of pains. 